Our two children are born just a couple of days apart at the end of January. So we have developed a family tradition of going up to some hot springs near where we live and just taking a few days out in the middle of winter to sit in the natural hot pools and just relax. And that was our intention as we were heading up Highway 93 out of Kalispell up to Eureka, past where the waters live, and on up into Canada, only three hours from our home. And we were doing this just the end of January this year. We were heading up 93, as I said, and that road is particularly well known in our area for having deer crossing regular. Alison Waters, I do believe, counted 99 deer on her way from Kalispell to Montana. That's 60 mi- Kalispell to Eureka. It's about 60 miles, 99 deer. So there's a lot of deer crossing. So when you're going up that road, it's very straight. It's through the woods. You, you drive a little slower because you never know what creature might jump out in front of you. And I was aware of this, so I was doing about 60 mile an hour in the dark on an early winter's morning. And right in front of me, I saw not a deer running across the road, but a deer who obviously was trying to cross the road at some point, but unfortunately a vehicle had hit the deer. This, it only just happened because it was a very cold winter's morning and the deer was very dead, very dead in several pieces, and steam was coming out of the carcass. And I was, I was doing about 60 mile an hour, my headlamps were very dirty, so I didn't see it to the last minute, so I'm braking hard, trying to go round this deer, two wheels on the gravel, And just at that point, I see out of the corner of my eye, just in a split second, I see a van sideways, perpendicular to the road, with its front wheels spinning, only about 10 feet off of the road. And I I just kind of took a mental note of that, and I got round the deer, and I put my foot down to carry on. And immediately, our faithful Lord Jesus called to me in my heart, in my mind, and said, They were the people who hit the deer. Stop and help. Has that ever happened to you? You ever seen somebody in need on the side of the road? Well, you see, we had started off very early, and I had set my desire on being in those warm hot pools by 9.30. So I started into a little conversation with the Lord. Not, Not verbally, you know what I mean, in your mind. Well, that was a van, and I've only got a little Subaru. I'd never be able to pull them out. And I carry on a bit further up the road. And I go a little further, and I think, well, I haven't got a cell phone. I wouldn't be able to help. So I carry on a bit further. Now I'm about three miles away from where it happened. And, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm too far away now. <laughs> I know why you're laughing. <laughs> I won't ask you to raise your hands. (laughs) Did I find peace? No, I did not find peace. I felt, and I have to tell you the honest truth, I did not stop. I went all the way to Fairmont Hot Springs and I felt rotten in my heart. I tried to cover it with pleasant conversation with my wife. I tried to cover it with being kind to the children. Have you ever done that? But I did not have rest in Christ. And that's the subject I want to look at tonight. How do we get from the experience of not having rest in Christ 
to get into the point where we have perfect peace. It is possible. So what is, I want you to contribute to the message at this point, what is resting in Christ? Give me your definition. Just put your hand up or shout it out. What is resting in Christ? Say it again. A full surrender. Full surrender to Christ, I presume you mean. Anybody else? Hearing his voice and doing what he asks you to. Anybody else? With a willing heart. He's adding that on there. Okay. Anybody else? Conformity of heart and life to the revealed will of Christ. Wow, I'm not speaking to babes in the faith, are we? No. Three words. Obedience to his will. One more at the back. Say it again, brother. Full surrender combined with a relationship with Christ. Excellent, excellent thoughts. And every single one of them true. Let me tell you what finding rest in Christ is not. It is not having a sleep on Sabbath afternoon. Kind of feels good, but that's not the rest I'm talking about. It's not when everything is done on your list and you sit down and you say, praise the Lord, what a great day. That is rest, but that's not the rest I'm speaking about. You won't find rest in Christ that I'm going to speak about tonight on vacation. That's restful, but that's not the rest I'm talking about. Or as we said, on Sabbath afternoon. Noel Webster described rest as two Latin words, re and sto. It's where we get our modern word, restore which is where we get the name of this ministry, Restoration International. We will have true rest with Christ when we are restored to the relationship that God intended us to have with him in the first place. Did Adam and Eve before sin have perfect rest? Is it possible in this sin-cursed world for us to have rest in Christ? Do you believe it? Oh, yes. I can still visualize this summer, my wife and two children, we have a blow-up raft, and we have a little electric motor on the back, and we were on Bowman Lake in Glacier Park, and we were in the middle of this lake, the sky was clear blue, the water was beautiful green, there was not a soul around, we were singing our hearts out, it was just absolute silence, that is rest for the physical. The warm sunshine beating down on your back. Are you there with me? It was beautiful. That was physical rest. But do you know it is possible to have that in our spiritual lives? Even today? Even in this day and age? We're going to have a look at finding rest with Christ for the past. And then we're going to look at finding rest with Christ in the present. And then we're going to look at finding rest in the future. We're going to spend most of our time on the present But we've got to deal with the past before we can deal with the present. Any of you have skeletons in the closet? You know what I mean? I was recently giving a cut-down version of this message at our local church as part of an evangelistic crusade, and I was using PowerPoint, you know, where they have the projector and the things up on the screen. I found a great picture of a skeleton trying to get out the closet. I wish I could share it to you. (laughs) 
But you know what I mean by skeletons in the closet. Things that you don't want anybody to find out. But you know about it. Are there any in your closet? You will never find rest in Christ whilst you have skeletons in the closet. Because you know, some skeletons, even though they're supposed to be dead, they get out the closet, they start walking around. Other people find out. Your wife finds out. Your wife might find out, men, what you're looking at on your computer. That's a skeleton in the closet. Ladies, your husband might find out how many dresses you've got in the closet and you've not told him that you've bought them. <laughs> not saying you have to, but you know, everybody's finances are different. <laughs> you know what you've seen and heard that you shouldn't have seen and heard. You know what you've said and done that you shouldn't have said and done. You know what God is asking you to let go of. You know right now. What God is asking you to let go of, and you're not letting go of it. Is the Lord talking tonight? You know what things you should be letting go of, and you're hanging on to. They are all skeletons in the closet. We will never have rest. We will never find peace with Christ until we deal with those things. I encourage you, come to Christ in earnest prayer. Give your whole heart to him. Confess your sins to him. If we want rest with the past, we need to know that Christ has forgiven us. And we need to forgive ourselves. When I didn't stop for the deer, or not for the deer, there was no use stopping for the deer. When I didn't stop for the people who hit the deer, I'm never going to find rest in my life until I deal with that with the Lord. And I did. I have dealt with that, and I know that that is dealt with, that has gone beforehand to judgment And I'm a free man through the blood of Jesus Christ. If we we want to know that God has forgiven us, we need to ask him. Turn with me in your Bibles. I hope you bring your Bibles to camp meeting, especially on the Sabbath. We're going to have a quick look at John 5. John chapter 5, verses 9 through 6. John chapter 5, verses 9 through 6. Carolyn, could you get me a drink? Thank you. John chapter 5. Well-known portion of scripture. It says, and I'm reading from the New King James here, John chapter 5 and verse 6. When Jesus saw him, that's the paralytic, lying there and knew that he would, had already been there in that condition for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? That's the words of Christ. Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Did that man have any evidence in his body that he was healed? Thank you, dear. He acted by faith. He asked for healing, and he acted upon his request. He got up. At the command, he got up. In the little book, Steps to Christ, page 51... It says, in like manner, in like manner to this paralytic that we just read about in the scriptures, in like manner, you are a sinner. 
That's all of you and me. You cannot atone for your past sins. You cannot change your heart. You cannot make yourself holy. Have you tried? You cannot make yourself holy. But, good news, God promises to do all this, that is, to change your heart and to make you holy. He plans to do all this through Christ. You believe that promise. You confess your sins, you give yourself to God, you will, or that is you choose, you resolve to serve him. Just as surely as you do this, God will fulfill his word to you. If you believe the promise, believe that you are forgiven and cleansed, God supplies the fact you are made whole. Just as Christ gave the paralytic power to walk and the man believed and was healed. It is so if you believe it. Do you believe that you're forgiven? Do you really believe that the past, once you have confessed, is taken care of? Does God really forgive? Yes, he does. Have you forgiven yourself? Is it truly taken care of? Or have you not gone through the steps? Are the things been left unsaid, unconfessed? If there are things that are left unconfessed, that's what robs our peace. Reading on, it says, It is our privilege to go to Jesus and be cleansed and to stand before the law without shame or remorse. That is our privilege. That is possible. I know this is basic stuff, but the more people I speak to, the more I realize haven't really gone deep in these basic steps. We're trying to fine-tune before the foundation is solid. You know, as we're going through life, I, I kind of liken it to having a bar of soap in your hand in the shower. You're going through life with Christ, and you're, Christ is cleaning up your life, just like you're cleaning up your body. And we, we fall, we sin, we make a mistake, and that's a little bit like dropping the bar of soap in the tub. Oh, I dropped the tub. Oh. And, we, and we sit down in the tub and we put our bottom lid out and we pout and we say, it's no good, I'll never get clean. You laugh, but that happens in the spiritual life. We sit in the bottom of the tub with our lip out for three days saying, it's no good, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to get clean. Jesus is well able. Jesus is well able, brothers and sisters. We need to confess to God. Confess, repent, and restore. We know those three basics. Confession is good as far as it goes, but we need to do a 180 on what that is. We need to, brothers and sisters, time is far too short for messing around with sin. It's too short. My wife said the other day, you could cross that road out there and that could be the end. I'm not saying that to scare you, but that's just a reality, isn't it? It could happen. Life is too short to be messing around with sin. If God is laying something on your heart right now that you have not confessed or repented of, take care of it before you go to bed. If you need to call someone, you can use my cell phone. I don't care. Do it. Don't put it off. 
Confess, repent and restore. You know, in some situations, it's not just confessing and it's not just doing a 180 and turning your back on the sin through the power of Christ. Sometimes there's a need to restore, to go back and make it right with somebody, to say sorry, to ask for forgiveness, to give back. You know what the Bible says, Ezekiel 33:15. If the wicked restore the pledge, give again that which he has robbed. Walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity. He shall surely live and not die. We need to restore. We need to give back that which was stolen. I remember after I came to be a Christian, before I was a Christian, I had another God. It wasn't Jehovah God. It was the hang gliding God. I suppose you could call it a goddess, really, but every Saturday and every Sunday and every evening and every conversation, I worshipped the god of hang gliding. It was my love. We would fly high, we would fly low, we'd fly fast, we'd fly far. It was great. And as I was doing that, one of the hang gliding manufacturers in England approached me and asked me if I'd like to sell their hang gliders. Well, I thought that was a great opportunity. Oh, they asked me. And so, sure, so I'd buy the hang glider for $2,000, I'd pick it up, I would check it over, I would test fly it, make sure it went good, and then I'd deliver it to the person, they'd give me $2,500, I kept the five hundred. Great deal. I sold lots of them. It was my hobby, it was just great. What did I do with the $500? Well, I was 18, 19 years of old, and not a Christian, so I spent it. Did I tell the tax man about it? No. The taxes are done slightly different in England. You don't have to declare anything. It's all done through your employer, unless you're self-employed. When I came to be a Christian and I was asking God for forgiveness on something, some of the things I got up to hang gliding, I thought about the thousands of dollars and I had the gentle thought that I needed to restore Oh, no. I didn't have thousands of dollars at this point. It had (laughs) gone. I was now married. That's not where it had gone, by the way. (laughs) Sorry, dear. (laughs) It had gone. Anyway, I'd spent most of it. So I thought, well, I want to be right with the Lord. I was serious about this. So I wrote the tax man a letter saying, essentially, because I can't remember all the words I wrote, but Essentially, I said, look, I'm a good boy now. I'm confessing to you, so please let me off. That's essentially what I wrote. He wrote back, (laughs) and he wasn't going to let me off. I was now involved in ministry. I had a ministry of my own, which as far as the world is concerned is a business. So they wanted to investigate all the accounts of my present ministry. So they came in, and they did all that, and they wanted all the information about the hang gliding, and they came up with a figure that I owed them, and by God's grace, we paid them that, but they, now they wanted to investigate our present situation, they looked at it, and they said, you have only taken about three and a half thousand dollars out of your business to live on for a whole year, and I said, yes, that's right, and they said, that can't be right, you must have another second income, again, because that's what got me into this trouble. I didn't. But they didn't believe that we had lived on that amount of money. We had. We didn't eat out. We didn't do anything. We were coal-portering door to door. We lived very simple. And so eventually, 
they, we had to convince them that we didn't go to the movies and we didn't have a TV and we had to convince them we didn't smoke, we didn't drink and we really did live on that amount of money. Anyway, we went through the whole process to cut a long story short and they gave us the all clear. Now, I had peace with God before, but now I have real peace. Now I know even the tax man hasn't got anything on me. He's audited all my books. Everything is clean. Does that feel good? Yes, it does. That feels very good. In summary, if we want rest with the past, we have to confess all our known sins. And if you've got any left unconfessed tonight, please do it before you go to bed. We need to give ourselves fully to Christ. We need to make restitution as far as lies within our power. And we need to choose, we need to live, we need to resolve to live for Christ. There's nothing like it, brothers and sisters. If you have gone through those steps, there is nothing like it. You are the most peaceful person in the world. The past is all dealt with. You are clean in Christ, not through anything of your own, but through what God offers us. We have a sure guide, and he will lead us to that place if you will follow the guide. If you want to firmly root your feet where they are and say, I'm not going to deal with that, then you will not get the peace that God wants to give you. Let's move on to finding rest in the present. And this is where I want to spend most of our time. Turn with me to Matthew eleven twenty eight. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Well known verses. If you have a red letter Bible, of course, this is in red. This is the words of Jesus Christ himself. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Two words, the two smallest words in the whole verse I want to focus on. Come unto me. Come unto me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Oh, don't come unto a ministry. Not even this ministry. You'll never find rest in a ministry. You'll never find rest in a church. You'll never find rest in any man. Come unto Me, Jesus says. Have you come? Have you come? Come unto me and I will give you rest. You will not find rest on a Hawaiian beach. You will not find rest in another church. You'll not find rest in another job. You know, oftentimes we put our our hopes of rest on something else. Oh, when I can move to the country, you will not find rest. This kind of rest that Jesus wants to give us, you will not find rest in the country. You know, the devil lives in the country as well. (laughs) Many of you can testify to that, yeah? You will not find rest in another church, in another job. You will not find rest in another house. And you will not find rest in another spouse. Never. The Bible Commentaries, volume 7, page 928, says, It is not in indolence, in selfish ease, in pleasure-seeking, that rest is obtained. Those who are willing, unwilling to give the Lord faithful, earnest, 
loving service will not find spiritual rest in this life or in the life to come. Jesus says, come unto me. Come unto me and I will give you rest. If there's anything we learn from the Old Testament, it is that the Israelites had rest when they were with Jesus, when they did things his way. Over and over again in the Old Testament, you see them giving themselves to God and they go to war and they win. And then in the next chapter or the next book, they go to war without the Lord and they lose. And then the next one, they win. And the next half a dozen, they lose. In our family worship, my daughter said to me one day as we were going through the book of Kings and we started off on a new subject, a new king, she says, Daddy, I wonder if this one will be a good one or a bad one. (laughs) Isn't that really quite a lot of the Old Testament? We can have rest, we can have victory, we can have peace when we're with Jesus. And when we're not, oh, we think we're doing all right, but it's all a big failure. So how do we get this rest in the present? We've got to go to the sure guide. Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus Christ in the word of God. Look at the next verse, verse 28, 29, sorry. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. There's the answer right there. It says, take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Do you know what that means? Do you, want, do you know what it means to take upon yourself the yoke of Christ? That's what I want to spend a little bit of time looking at here, the yoke. You know, I've often thought of the yoke as a negative thing. You know, a yoke around your neck. It's like, I don't fancy that idea. But here we're told to put on a yoke. Well, what is a yoke? You all know what a yoke is. It's a, it's a piece of wood with two holes at the end that the cattle put their heads through and then there's a place where you tie the chain on or link the chain and the chain goes through the cattle to the cart. The cattle move on and the cart follows them. The whole idea of a yoke is to make the load, the cart, easier to pull. That's what a yoke is for. It's to make life a little easier. What if you just took the cart and tied it onto the tail of the oxen and said, go! He wouldn't go very far. He's very happy for a yoke. Do you realize that we all wear a spiritual yoke? We've all got, I wish I could, I wish I could just press a button here now and you could all see your spiritual yoke round your neck just like a piece of wood. And it's kind of flopping on the lap of the person next to you. Do you we all wear a spiritual yoke. You can't see it, but we all wear one. I want to ask, who designed the yoke that you are wearing? What load are you pulling with your yoke? Who's got their head through the other hole? They're pretty important questions on a spiritual yoke. If you had a physical yoke on, you'd want to know the answers, wouldn't you? What are we pulling? Who am I with? Well, our high calling, page 100, gives us a little bit of light on this subject. It says, men, and ladies, that's the generic use of the term, frame 
for their necks, yokes that seem light and pleasant to wear, but they prove galling in the extreme. We often think we are having a hard time in bearing burdens. Anybody having a hard time bearing burdens? It goes on to say, and it is too often the case, because God has made no provision for us to carry those burdens. Oh, how many burdens are we pulling spiritually that we don't need to pull? That somebody else has put on our cart. Maybe some other person, maybe a family member. Maybe there's a whole bunch of expectations on your cart that you try to pull around. Maybe the devil's filled your cart up. Another quote, 8 Testaments 189 says, The Lord gave you your work, not to be done in a rush, but in a calm, considerate manner. The Lord never compels hurried, complicated movements. But you have gathered to yourself responsibilities that the Lord, the merciful Father, does not place upon you. Do you hurry and scurry around? Got to get this done. Oh, must leave that. Got to run to this. Do you do that? I know you do. (laughs) I know you all do. (laughs) Even the children these days do it. That is not the yoke of Christ. The yoke of Christ is made to measure. It's made for us and it fits perfectly. The yoke of Christ, the yoke of Christ connects us to Christ because the yoke of Christ has Christ in the other half. You realize the yoke of Christ connects us to the power of God. That's why we're counseled to take his yoke upon us. The yoke of Christ connects us to Christ with his amazing strength. If you had to pull a load, a physical load, with a physical yoke, and you found out that the strongest man in the world was in the other side of the yoke, and he was only going to go as fast as you could go, would you care what they put on the cart? No. Because he's going to do all the pulling. I'm just going to go alongside. That's what it's like with the yoke of Christ. He pulls the load. Are you letting Christ pull the load? Or are you trying to pull it yourself? You know if you're trying to pull it yourself. The yoke of Christ is doing God's will in every aspect of our lives. Are you wearing the yoke of Christ? Or are you pulling the load yourself? The yoke of Christ is choosing Jesus in every situation. You might have situations where you have to make a choice between self and Christ before you even get to bed tonight. Finding rest in Christ in the present is choosing Jesus in every situation. That is possible through the power of God. It's seeking first the kingdom of God. It's trusting his love, trusting his law, trusting his word. The yoke of Christ is doing things God's way. If God wants to do the speed limit when you're driving along, the yoke of Christ is doing the speed limit. If Christ wants you to stay at home when everybody else wants you to go and do something else, that's the yoke of Christ. That's where the peace is found. Isaiah 23 and verse 26 and verse 3, Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace. You know the rest of the verse? Whose mind is stayed on thee. 
Because he trusteth in thee. If we want peace, we've got to trust in Christ. The yoke of Christ is doing God's will in every business transaction of life. It is doing God's will in every marital conflict in life. I came, this just came into my mind. I was all ready to come over to the meeting tonight. I had a nice blue and white striped shirt on. And I was all ready to to come over. And my wife said to me, I think I'd like you to wear a white shirt. Well, it's, only a, it's only a shirt. Well, it didn't feel just like a shirt at the time. <laughs> Doesn't she think I can't dress myself? I mean, I'm a big boy now. <laughs> I didn't say that, and I didn't really hold on to the thought, but it went into my mind. And then the Lord called to me, you can put a white shirt on for your wife. I have got a white shirt on. <laughs> Men, we can do what our wives want us to do. It won't kill us. We'll survive. It's doing God's will when you're raising your children. When your little boy says to you, Daddy, will you play with me? You know where you find rest? Playing with him or her. When you say, Oh, not now, or I'm too busy, or do you get peace? Or do you get that little feeling deep down in your heart. Yeah, that's what we came to the country for. You all know that hymn, there is a place of quiet rest. Where is it? Near to the heart of God. There is a place where sin cannot molest. Where is it? Near to the heart of God. It was a little while ago that I received a letter from my insurance company saying that they'd put up my annual premium, $275 for the year. Well, I thought, my car's getting older, and I figure it should be going down, or at least staying where it is, not going up. So I called them up and I said, I'm just abbreviating the story here, putting it in my language, you know, what's the deal? What's going on? Well, you see, we swapped you onto a new policy, That's why the price went down, because it it was quite high, and it went down, and we saved about $300. And then they sent me this letter and said it had gone back up again. And so I called them up, and I said, I thought we got this lower price. And they said, yes, well, when we changed to the new policy, we had to search your driving record, and we found you had a speeding ticket. I thought, oh, I forgot about that. I was helping somebody one day, and we were trying to keep up, and so we were doing... 37 mile an hour in a 25 limit and the police car came the other way and put his light on and swung behind us. My wife said, what's his problem? I said, I think it's us, sweetie. So I tried the English accent. I tried to talk my way out of it. I tried to tell him that in England, you know, the lowest speed limit they have is 30. And if you're doing 35, they don't really mind. So 37, I mean, it's just... $55 there and then. Well, that's okay. I'd forgotten about that. That was several years ago. But now my auto policy has gone up 275. So I called them up and I said, can you do anything? They said, there's nothing we can do. The only way you can get that dealt with is if you get the record off your license. Well, do that then. They said, well, we can't do that. You'd have to go to the judge of the the town where the offense happened, which was only just up the road from us. So I got 
her number and I called up Judge Gordon. It's a, it's a country, it's the West, the Wild West. It's a lot more personal than the big cities. So I called up Judge Gordon and I said, hello, my name's Paul Rain and you know, I got a speeding ticket two and a half years ago and my auto policy's gone up and went through the whole thing. And she says, well, we can do something about that. If you will come and see me and you will go to driver's education at your own expense and you will stay out of our computer system for three months, that means you know, don't do anything wrong for three months, then we'll take those, that record off your license, then you can go back to your insurance and it will go back down. Great. So the first thing to do was go and see her. When can I come? She says, come 11 o'clock on such and such a day. I'll be there. Well, it was one of those days where there seemed like an awful lot to do. And it takes about 35 minutes from our house to the judge's office. Not that I'd ever done it before, but it's in the town where we go to church. So I was on the phone and I was looking at my watch and I thought, I've got to go, got to go. And I finally walked out of the house and I said to my wife, see you, it's now 30 minutes to when I have to have the appointment. I know it's going to be about 35 minutes, so I set off down the road. Of course, I'm not going to go speeding, obviously. (laughs) And I'm going along the country road, and I'm at perfect peace. But I know it's probably going to be quite tight. And I go down our gravel road, and it goes on to blacktop, and then it goes back to gravel. And as I'm coming down the hill on the gravel road, I see all kinds of commotion ahead of me. And I see a man standing there with his stop, go, stop, slow sign. And I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Is that stop? I mean, he's got to edge on to me, so I can't really tell. Is it stop or is it slow? Or So I just drove past. Because <laughs> he had it edge on. I mean, I slowed down, but I just drove past. And he waved at me and I waved at him and everything was fine. Then I got to a 90-degree bend where you virtually have to slow down to about 15 mile an hour. It's a 90-degree bend in the road. And at that point, there was a lady with a radio, and she had her lollipop thing there, and it said, stop. There was no mistake in her body language either. Stop. And she wanted to know why I didn't stop back there. I says, well, he didn't ask me to. And she says, well, you need to stop here. And so we entered into some pleasant conversation, and I must admit, my intent on the conversation was to see if I could go. (laughs) And so after just maybe 30 seconds of polite conversation, I said, is there any chance I can just go now? She said, let me see. So she gets on the radio. She says, no, I don't think so. Well, how would you feel? I've never been in court in my life. Now, my first appointment ever to see the judge to try and save myself some money and it looks like I'm going to be late. And the Lord was calling to me and he says, I give you perfect peace, Paul. And I accepted that gift and I had perfect peace. I still hadn't given up trying to get there but I had perfect peace in my heart. So we carried on some pleasant conversation and then I had the thought, maybe if I just drop into the conversation that I've got to go and see the judge, I've got to go to court that that might escalate the things in her mind and she might let me go. I tried that and it did work. She got on the radio and she said, well, they didn't give her a very clear signal on the radio. I could hear everything. She says, why don't you go down and there'll be a lady that will stop you about 200 yards further on. They were resurfacing the road. That's what they were doing, just putting gravel on top of gravel. And so 
I go along a little bit further. I'm doing about 25 mile an hour. It was a very hot day. And so I had the windows up and the air conditioning on. And I'm driving along. And all of a sudden, I hear this lady yelling at me. Stop! Stop! She jumps out from the side road. Stop here. You must stop right here. And she was very agitated. Sorry, ma'am. I didn't see you. Well, she cooled down a bit, and she was quite pleasant after that, but she was obviously very upset that I was going to go and drive right into all, this, all these trucks and dumpers and workmen and all of that. I wouldn't have done that, but of course she didn't know that. And so we, we stop, and we have a bit of pleasant conversation, and after a little while I tell her I've got to be in court, and, you know, and, and she says, well, it's going to be a while this way. So she gets on the radio, and I says, well, can you find out how long? She said, about 10, 15 minutes. Oh, boy. That was another call to my heart. Paul, do you want to carry on having your perfect peace? Yes, Lord, I want it. And I'm sharing this with you because you've all been in similar situations. You're in a rush. You don't know how it's going to work out. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, Lord, now I know I'm going to be late. I am not going to get there in time. And so, Lord, please, you're going to have to go before me now. Please sort something out. Continue to give me this perfect peace. And so I'm speaking to the lady, and she said, you know, I think you can get another way. If you go up here, and you turn this way, and you, then you turn left, and you turn right, and then you go straight along there, you'll get back on the main road, and then you know your way. And I said, you think that will be quicker than waiting here? She said, yeah. So off I go. And I go up there, and she said, turn left. So I turn left. Then she said, turn right. Oh, no, this is somebody's driveway. Can you feel the pressure rising? This is somebody's driveway. It's just a house at the end of this road. Because we're in the backwoods of Montana, so a gravel road is just like a gravel driveway. Lord, keep me in perfect peace. So I, I was lost by this point. I couldn't go back the way I knew. So anyway, I found my way. I got on the main highway. I'm talking to the Lord. Lord, give me this peace. And the peace was flowing. Praise the Lord, the peace was flowing. I got to the courthouse, it was about quarter after. I didn't know where to park. I knew where the building was, but I didn't know where her office was. And so I park up, and I'm walking across, and then I have the thought, oh man, did I park in the right place? Was that too close to the junction? This is right outside the police station. I check the car, no, that's okay. And so I, I walk in through the library, through, through these different places. I eventually find myself in the office, and I say to the lady on the desk, I know I'm awfully late, but would it be possible to see Judge Gordon? And I'm fairly confident, even though I'm late, that the Lord is going to sort this out for me. And she says, no, she's gone. Oh. But I can help you. All you need to do, you're Mr. Rain. All I, need to, all I need you to do is to fill in some forms. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know all I was going for was just to fill in some forms. Can God give us peace? Do we need to get upset? You know, half the things we get upset about, half the things we end up rushing and pushing for, never happen. God wants to give us peace in the here and now. Why do we often not have peace? Shall I tell you very simply why we often don't have peace? Desire of Ages, page 330 says it very succinctly. It is the love of self that brings unrest. 
It is the love of self that brings unrest. It's when we push our agenda, when we insist on having our way, when we try to make it happen, when we do all those things so that we can get it our way and have rest, that's when it fragments. That's when we don't get the peace. Brothers and sisters, give up on yourselves. Please. Give up on what you can achieve. Give it to Jesus Christ. He wants to give us peace in every situation of life. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. In summary, finding rest in Christ for the present means wearing his yoke, living life connected to Jesus' power. If we'll do that, brothers and sisters, we will find rest. If we connect with God, that peace can flow straight out of heaven, straight into our life, and we do not have to be stressed about anything. Yes, we will be tried. Yes, we will be tempted. Yes, it will be tight sometimes. But we can have perfect peace. Finding rest in Christ for the future. Acts 2.26 says that we can rest in hope. If we have allowed Christ to purge the past through confession, repentance, and restoring, if we've allowed Christ to purge the past, and if we allow him to empower the present, to give us his power in present situations, then we can rest in hope. We can never rest in hope until we have taken care of those things. You'll not rest in hope whilst you've not taken care of the past. It'll plague you. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, Psalm 37 says. You know, many are resting in insurance, in savings. Some are resting in good deeds. Some are resting in their church activities. Some of you might think that you can rest because you come to family camp meeting. And so many in your church do not. Some of you might be resting on your laurels. You know what that is? Your past victories, your past achievements. We'll never find rest whilst we rely upon ourselves. Never. Bible Commentaries again says, we are to find rest in wearing his yoke and bearing his burdens. We will find rest where we don't expect to find it. We will find rest in doing God's will. You know, since we were at the last camp meeting, the last camp meeting was Indiana, October last year. There are some terrible things happened in this world since October last year. You know of what I speak? Not in this part of the world, but over in Asia. Revelation chapter 7 verse 3 says... Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees until we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. Do not hurt the earth and the sea until we have sealed. Is nature starting to hurt this earth? Are those winds of strife, as we call them, are they being let loose slowly? Are they? We'd have to be blind to say that isn't happening. Thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands killed in a couple of days. 
the winds of strife are being slowly let loose. But it says, until we have sealed the servants of God in our foreheads. So if we read those things in the newspaper, that these things are happening, then what you don't read in the newspaper, but you know it must be happening, if those things are happening, if the tsunamis are happening, if the the hurt is happening to nature, then you know that God's people are being sealed at the same time. If one is happening, the other must be happening. So if you see one in the news, of course, you're never going to see in the news people being sealed for the last day. It's not going to be in the news. But it's in the Bible. We need to make a choice. Because God's people... God's people are being sealed. God's people are finding an experience of perfect peace. Are you? Are you part of God's people? Are you learning to find perfect rest in Christ in the present? Are you dealing with the past? If you are, you're being sealed. You're settling into the truth, both spiritually and intellectually. So you cannot be moved. You know, I don't want to get to when Jesus comes again with some regrets in my heart. I wish, when I see Jesus coming again, I wish I'd disconnected the internet. I wish I'd done it now, Lord. It'd be too late then. I wish I'd gone and made it right with that person as, you, as it looms in its true proportions before your eyes. I don't want to have any regrets. Do you? Then I plead with you, take some steps now. Today is the day of salvation for each one of us. And one person might have to do one thing. Another person might have to do another thing. But the Lord is speaking to you now. What is it that you need? What is the weak point in your Christian walk? Is it the past? Is it your connection with Christ in the present? Is it your fear of the future, you know what the Lord is calling to you. I encourage you, take those steps so you have no regrets. And we can have perfect rest, perfect peace with Christ. I want to close with Joshua 24, 15. You all know it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I hope you can join me in saying that. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.